Habibi's podcast, three game developers drinking good Arab tea. My name is Rami Ismail. I'll be your host for this episode. And I'm Osama Dorias. I've gotten a little better at this announcement thing. Yeah, you're actually good. You didn't ask for emails or anything. It's yeah, just incredible. Straight up, just went straight up, went for it. Yeah. <laughs> It was actually a little hard because I've been so I I spent last week presenting um, an orchestra, uh, and I had a different intro for that. <laughs> and I actually like while while the intro music was playing, I'm like, don't do that one, don't do that one, <laughs> don't do that one. Oh, the, the the orchestra played the Habibi's music. That's nice. Oh, next time, next time. <laughs> no, we played uh, we played games music, which it was really cool. Like I will say, there there's something really. Um, I think we forget that as game developers, right? That we're we're creatives, and that on the other side of what we do is people that are happy mm-hmm. <laughs> and that are enjoying like playing the games and are just sitting there smiling or having fun or laughing. Like I know somewhere deep down we know it, but it's harder to have a, an emotional reaction yeah. to it. Mm-hmm. And standing yeah. on the stage and presenting the orchestra, playing video games music was the the North Netherlands Symphonic Orchestra. Uh, and they played video games music. They played Journey. They played Assassin's Creed Black, Black Flag. We played uh, Horizon, Halo. Um, we had Bloodborne, The Witch, uh, The Witcher, um, nice. Skyrim. That's, That's a great selection. Yeah, we had the we we had all sorts of things. We had Shadow of the Colossus, Final Fantasy. So it was just an amazing <laughs> Mega Man medley and a Sonic medley. What was the music uh, you walked into? <laughs> so I didn't have music to walk into. I, I the orchestra tunes before the show starts, and it's this <laughs> nice. very wild sound that is very consistent I for some it. reason. Anyway, yep. I loved working with the orchestra, but I, I also loved seeing the response in people. I think it's easy to forget that you know at the other end of our work is all that is all the people being excited and seeing their response when a when a song started and they recognized the first notes of like unforgotten from halo or yeah they rec- they suddenly realized when uh, julie elvin the soundtrack vocalist that uh was was singing mm-hmm. um when she like said the word dragonborn <laughs> uh sang the word dragonborn mm-hmm. uh, even uh that people realized like oh we're we're getting skyrim yeah uh, that was really fun um and it was just, it's such a cool machine. Orchestras are such, and it was funny because I was talking to one of one of the people in the orchestra because I've, I've been working with them for years now. So a lot of them uh, recognize me um, and I've worked with them before. And I told them that it's just such a joy to see the orchestra as like such a big machine. And he looked at me as like organ. Like, <laughs> Yeah, machine organ. He's like, no, 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 you're a digital kid. We're an analog. <laughs> <laughs> We're an organ. We work together like an organ. And it's like, well, yeah, fair. <laughs> um, but it's so cool. It's so fascinating. Like these people, there's like 60, 70 people sitting in this big half circle, each with their own instrument. They're all experts at what they do, right? Yeah. Each of them is incredible at their instrument. Instrument. And they listen to each other. They have little nods to each other. They grin at each other when they like do something good. They like help each other out when somebody messes up and like kind of like do a little like apologetic nod. Um, the conductor, the the, maestro. the person at the maestro, the maestro or, or the conductor, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
We had a guy named Arjan Tien, and he's in charge of the Dutch... It's not quite the Dutch military orchestra, but kind of is the Dutch military orchestra. Mm-hmm. So I expect it's sort of like a very, like, I don't know, dusty guy. This guy had the time of his life. Oh, yeah. He was having so much fun. He just he, And he didn't know any of the songs. He didn't know any of the tracks he was playing. He'd never heard of any of it. <laughs> He heard things in the, that music that I'd never heard. He, we had a little conversation up front where he, um, <laughs> um, so the way, and this is also mind blowing. Actually, let me tell you this because this is more mind blowing to me than anything else, right? Okay. Yeah. So I get there on Wednesday. That was rehearsal. So I get there on Wednesday and I talk to the, um, I talk to the people that are are there and they've just wrapped up rehearsal and we're gonna go over my text one more time and sort of like. Adjust final things, see if everything fits, figure out the timings, when do I say what. And um, one of the orchestra people walks up to me and is like, it's going to be a good a good one this time. I mean, it, it sounds like a good program. I'm like, yeah. I just go like, wait, this is the first time you've played it. He's like, yeah, I'd never. This is Wednesday. We played our first show on Thursday. That's incredible. <laughs> They're reading by, they're playing by sight. Yeah, they're of course, reading the music orchestra. as it's happening. <laughs> but they rehearsed twice. Oh yeah. my God. That's it. One time just to rehearse, and then a second one, general rehearsal, where this amazing little error happened during the Sonic like medley. Mm-hmm. They were playing it, and they were playing it beautifully. And then suddenly the conductor went, like, No, 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 that was unclear. And I'm like, Wait, what? <laughs> I'm just sitting there, <laughs> right, like watching. And he goes, like, No, that was unclear. Sorry. Um, that was supposed to be a seven. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he, go, <laughs> and he goes like, so we'll pick up at 106. And I'm like, what? Yeah. And they're all just making like a little note on their, like you see people like stop rehearsing for a second, like write a little note on their sheet music and then just pick up flawlessly. Yeah. Wow. Man, like it, it takes a lot of skill to be in the orchestra. Like you have some, a lot of these people trained for years or decades to get to this level and to be accepted. They're professional musicians, right? Mm-hmm. I spent I spent a lot of times around the music faculty growing up because I was into music, as I said earlier. And um, I remember one time I was attending uh, the, or- the Jordanian orchestra rehearsing and there was the maestro on the, on the stage. And then they started playing this uh, the symphony then at some point he stops everything and then he calls out one of the dudes in like in the third row in the violin. I don't know, there's like 15 violin people in the right. string section. He calls out this one dude who like, you're off key. Yeah. Wow. I'm like, how did he hear that? There's like 60 wow. musicians right. on that stage right now. And he just picks this one dude with the violin and the dude was actually off key. So he tunes his violin real quickly. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it's st- stuff like that. But it's, it's seeing that come together. And seeing everybody play with each other and for each other and together, like we had a, a harpsichord and a pianist, and one person played both. Yeah. The harpsichord and the piano. <laughs> and <laughs> and then there was a, a harpist next to that. And there was one point where they just needed to be perfectly in sync because they were pretty much the only thing playing yeah. at that point. And just like the little like nod at each other, right? Like this little like who is who's leading that interaction. That's all. Wow. It just happens. Yeah. But it doesn't just happen. This is like de- like Fauzi's saying. This is decades of experience and practice. Absolutely. And then you've got this conductor up front who's not their normal conductor. <laughs> this was a guest conductor for the show. I was just, just going to ask. Like, I mean, I know these people are professionals. 
How much of it is them spending time with each other to get to know each other, the tells, the nods, all this stuff? And how much is it just like reading? The, they know how to read the music and they know how to perform and they could, you could drop them in at any orchestra and they could do just as well. And you just said that the conductor was a guest conductor and that is mind-blowing. I was about to say, right. it's probably the latter, Osama, not the, not the prior. Yeah, yeah they're, they're that good. They're really just wow. that good. And that that's the thing. Like, obviously, North Netherlands Orchestra is a... It's not a completely stable um, uh, group, but it, a lot of people I've worked with for like five years now uh, mm-hmm. for these for these concerts. Yeah. I met but, once. Uh, go ahead, Rami. But yeah, the, the conductor is also just a fascinating person in yeah. the in the entire in the entirety of it. It's like the the amount of control and and emotion that they bring to it, because I've seen different people conduct the same orchestra now. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, the previous time it was uh, a different guy, uh, Chen. This time it was Aryan, and um, the energy they bring really does change how the music sounds and and how it's played and like the the sort of emphasis and the sort of like connotations. And he's communicating that communicating that with these tiny hand gestures that somehow everybody who's playing music, reading it live as they're playing it, yeah. they're still also paying attention to him. Yeah. But he's paying attention to everybody, like yeah. everybody. He knows everything. He he sits there and he's 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 somehow keeping track of everything that's happening. He knows when a percussionist is a little late with grabbing something, so he can like slow things down a little, or like you know, like he can fix things on the fly, that's and he does. That's incredible. Um, yeah, he would be an excellent games producer. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we. We had a really fun chat about that because I said, you know, the difference between my job and your job really is that when I mess something up, it takes three to six weeks to figure out that we've messed up <laughs> and then like seven to eight months to fix it. Well, you have to do it live and then and then we still get to fix it before we launch. Well, when you do it, you mess up in 0.3 seconds. Yep. You have two seconds to fix it and everybody notices. <laughs> I met uh, musicians once from uh, Video Game Live, uh, which is, I think, mm-hmm. a similar thing. It's a group of, uh, of musicians that uh, tour the world and they play video game music. Uh, mm-hmm. there, there's a core set in the... It's, it's almost an, an orchestra. There's a core set of musicians that do the touring, but there's also additional roles in which they hire from the local musicians to help them out and something like that so a lot of the people that are actually playing on the on that orchestra they're you know like the people that uh, rami is talking about classically trained musicians who a lot of them don't know anything about video games really um and there's they they were telling me that night is that well performing for video game live or like these kinds of shows is their best thing yet uh, as well as some of their favorite gigs is because it's like uh, they get to feel what it's like to be rock stars. Like in, when we're playing, when we're playing uh, in symphony, like you know, people are only you know will clap once we're done, you know, and we're like you know, just find a clap and whatever. And they're like, here we come on stage. I play two notes, and people go like, whoa! And like there's people yelling and screaming, and people jumping yeah. up and down, and people in the audience crying, and they're like, wow. we don't get to feel that <laughs> usually. Yeah. Wow. No, it's really and and I think that was another thing that's really fun. So so Aryan, the the conductor, obviously we we talked a lot beforehand, like sort of like to tune the presentation and to figure out when I was speaking. And he, he's the he's the boss, mm-hmm. right? I was hosting, so I was the person who opened the show. I was the person that 
introduced things. I introduced the people. I introduced the orchestra. I explained some stuff. My job was really to be a translator because the NNO, the, the North Netherlands Orchestra, they're, cla- they're uh, quite adventurous, but they, in essence, they're a classical symphonic orchestra. Mm-hmm. So that means that half of the audience is not a gaming audience. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So my job was to create a context for the people that don't know games while at the same time making it interesting for people that do know games looking good doing it if i may add i saw the pictures (laughs) the suit was my favorite thing it was such a good suit you clean up real nice it was really rare to see you in a a t-shirt or a leather jacket and you clean up you should do it more often remy he probably the, uh, wanted to wear a backpack still on the stage, <laughs> right? And his headsets around his neck. And the conductor was like, "No, none of that." Stuff. No, not. <laughs> it was really fun. I got the I got the basic assignment: wear something that will make you stand out from the orchestra, but that won't be more striking than the soloist, mm. uh, the, the, the 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 singer. And the singer is Julie Elvin, and she's she's like her name is julie elvin like she's she has an elvish appearance anyway (laughs) Uh, she's an incredible singer uh and she was the original singer on the horizon zero dawn soundtrack so if you've listened to that that's her voice um she's on world of warcraft she's on league of legends she's incredible and um we got really lucky with with what we picked because i went for a blue suit with a white shirt and gold in in the tie and uh, um, the um, well, the tie and the tie and the shoes. Want to be Arab without some gold in there? I just <laughs> it was fun because I go to I actually go to the same store for all my my suits. It's this tiny village, uh, pretty far north from where I live, so it's it's kind of a pain to get to. But they've done my suits for like seven or eight years now, and they are phenomenal. They are incredible. They like I walked in, I called them ahead. I'm like, hey, I need a suit for like two weeks from now. Can you can you make sure that we have something? And I walked into the store and they just had a bunch of ideas and they knew my sizes, even though COVID meant that they didn't fit anymore. <laughs> um that was a little that was a little confrontational. <laughs> well, we have some suits, we looked your size up, we have some ideas, but uh I think we're gonna have to <laughs> just <them. laughs> See if you have them in your new size. <laughs> okay. The pandemic but, hasn't been kind to all of us. Well. <laughs> no. It was a little confrontational, to be honest. But uh, yeah, they had some ideas, and I told them like I need to be, I need to stand out from a crowd that is mostly going to be in classical black, you know, and classical white. So um, what do you have? And they they had green, they had blue, uh, they had a gray. And I ended up with a blue suit with brown with a with a brown uh, pattern. It's really hard to see, but it's blue with brown. And um, mm-hmm. we just matched the the gold to the brown, like after some some talking. And I will tell you, those shoes, they are they make the look. Yep, I agree. The shoes make the look like one hundred percent. And I had to sit on a chair for the entire show, so I I needed good shoes because they were going to be the front most thing to the audience in many ways. Mm-hmm. Um. They did not have them in my size. So the ones I'm wearing are actually one size too small. Oh. And I was dying <laughs> on that. So like that is like I, I have pretty big feet. And like going one size too small in every direction is just it it hurt. And I feel bad complaining because Judy was on like some ridiculous heels. <laughs> um but she was in this this gorgeous constellation like dress 
uh, white. So it worked out perfectly. The blue and the white worked really well. Um, but the um, at the end of the show, during like the meet and greet and like fan mingling, uh, she could just take off the shoes because <laughs> under her dress, you can't see that she isn't wearing shoes anymore. <laughs> I just noticed that she suddenly went like Short. five centimeters, <laughs> 10 centimeters shorter. And I'm like, wait, what? But what a... Co- Orchestras have so many rules. I didn't yeah. know that. But like I mean I I did since 2017, but it's just cool to see it every time. It sounds like a, sounds like an amazing night Rami. You are completely excused for uh, uploading uh, the last episode <laughs> of the podcast on, on Arab time. It was very Arab. I, yeah, the shows were Thursday and Friday and I normally I normally stage the podcast on Thursday night and then Osama right here usually does the the the, the notes. Show notes, yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah, it turns out that if you get off a stage like that, the adrenaline is high enough that you just go to bed. Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. So, it's a missed opportunity for not calling the episode Arab Time Part 2. <laughs> fair. I, I actually thought about that, but then I realized that we didn't talk about Arab Time on the episode. Yeah. So I was like, <laughs> I just called it episode 37. I, I actually uploaded it right before this episode. I'm sorry, Osama. I don't think it's before okay. we recorded this episode. Osama hasn't had time to do the show notes yet. So anybody who has complaints about episode 37, (laughs) named episode 37, not having show notes, please email us at info at the (laughs) babies.com. All right, that's two times we asked for emails so far. Hey, you know, maybe we could squeeze in. But yeah, so the 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 one thing I wanted to say still about the uh, about the orchestra is the thing that that I found most most fun is seeing the orchestra learn about video games because i was telling them as much as i was the audience yes and there was this amazing moment where arian the the conductor he walked up to me and he's like i i really just the, the 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 program has so much color and music and it's it's so diverse and there's there we're playing a lot of like interesting material and he just goes like there's one track that i didn't like as much it's near the end it's a little bit pirates of the caribbean i'm oh. like Assassin's Creed black flag he's like i don't know and i'm like well how about after rehearsal when you've played it you tell me which one it is and so before the first night we go on stage he comes up to me and he goes it's called dragonborn i'm like what that's like some epic skyrim like that's no way there's pirates and i'm listening to the track and i'm like oh no wow there is indeed a lot of pirates of the caribbean in this track really and they just they don't they don't listen to the music the same way we do. I I uh, my mom came to one of the shows and she plays Shadow of the Colossus. And when they play Shadow of the Colossus afterwards, she told me like you can see yourself walking through the fields and like seeing the Colossus. Yeah, that's and amazing. Jumping onto it once and then climbing it while it's trying to shake you off, and then you stab it and it falls and it's a sad moment and you you could see the entire journey mm-hmm. and then i'm talking to people in the orchestra and they're like yeah it builds really beautifully <laughs> <laughs> and they're like yeah and it does this 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 very sudden transition into this melancholic like sadness near the end and i'm like yeah that's when you stab it in the face <laughs> <laughs> oh like, my god that's perfect it's just so good to to realize that that people don't know they don't see what we see when we listen to that music. When I yeah. when you play Halo, the first note comes in. I'm a 16 year old kid with my friends sitting behind an Xbox, yep. watching Halo Two boot up for the first time, and just sitting at that main menu, watching, going over New Mombasa and like seeing the super carrier, the Covenant super carrier above Earth, and being like, "Uh, wait, they're on Earth." Yeah, <laughs> music is powerful that way. Like our 
our brains make these connections. Like, I don't know about you, but I have so many memories that bring about like the songs that played during that time or vice versa, a song that plays that brings about a memory. Like these, these associations are so powerful and strong. So the context that just comes sweeping in whenever you listen to music, that they're missing something by not having that. I mean, they have something else. Granted, they have like more clarity of being able to actually see the music for what it is itself. But that context is, is powerful. That's why people are crying and, and they're reliving moments that are dear to them. It's incredible. Music is special, y'all. Like, I love video games. But, like, you know, seeing how much the music of the games alone can do, we work in a pretty cool medium that we get to combine all of that into one thing. We do, absolutely. Did you get to uh, uh, play anything of that medium during the week? <laughs> what uh, yeah. an epic transition! We have to call out this transition. Beautiful, beautiful. Oh, I, I think if we keep message. calling out, if we keep calling out transitions, we will never actually have a smooth transition because we will then spend twenty seconds talking about how great the transition is. It's more fun that way. I'm sorry. That is true. <laughs> It's very unique about our podcast. We're the worst at transitions because we keep calling out good transitions. <laughs> um, no, the um, uh, I did play a bunch of games. So at the start of the week, uh, before I had to, uh, I headed to the orchestra uh, cities. I played a bit more of, of Deathloop. Uh huh. Yeah. So did, did I? Did you finish it? No. Um, have you? I haven't either. I I it- kind of gotten a bit cold about it like i feel i got to the part of it when it's uh, becoming a little bit grindy and it's getting a bit harder to boot sometimes yeah i think i have the same thing it's feeling a bit more prescriptive than i thought mm-hmm. prescriptive like, do, what do you mean like it's a little bit more do this do that you know there, there's a little bit more guidance than i feel i would have liked mm-hmm. like it doesn't it stopped feeling like a puzzle yeah okay i really enjoyed the puzzle Mm-hmm. Sort of like, okay, how am I going to make, how am I going to pull this one heist off? Yeah. And instead it feels more like a, here's this sequence of things you should do. And to do that sequence of things, you have to do it poorly a whole lot of times. Yeah. I, I, think, it's, I think it's that that, you know, started to kind of get to me in which like there was this first time I visited this location and I needed to do this objective and that applies to any location, any objective. First time, I'm like, you know, sneaking, trying to be completely stealthy. And I'm like, uh, don't want to get detected. Make sure I get like, you know, the smoothest, best uh, run possible. Or like, even if I'm going and shooting everybody, I was like, all right, that was cool. I did this objective, done. Right. But then when I have to go to that same place again to do another thing, and then I go like, oh, yeah, I have to go through those people again yeah. and again and again. It starts to lose its magic a bit. It becomes like, I don't want to go through it. Like, I've tried, I've snuck my way against these guys before. I just want to shoot my way through them this time. Or I just... Oh, I just machete. Just machete Or machete them. You know what? It becomes like, I've dealt with these guys before. It's becoming a little bit more complicated. I have to deal with them every time I want to get something done in this area, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. What do you think they could have done better to fix that? I think I think the 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 main thing is the I think the evolution of your character is pretty good. Mm-hmm. And that you get you get more stuff and and more abilities to to do to take some shortcuts. Yes. Yeah. Right? 
Because yeah. as you get stronger, you actually get to avoid a lot of stuff or you get to like deal with enemies a lot faster. You start to fly away or like, you know, you shift your right. way on the top of the high hills or something like that. And and that works, but I, I feel like it doesn't work enough. Mm-hmm. I feel like I want better, more shortcuts to like go through things. I'm sure if I watch the speedrun, I absolutely ace this game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be spectacular to watch. But for some reason, I'm not finding those options and most of the time i just i'm you know getting into a space real quick murdering everything and then moving on mm-hmm. but i'm not having fun with it anymore i'm just doing the motion it's, right yeah, exactly to. it feels like been there done that and if i'm doing it over and over again it goes like it's just it, it feels a bit like you know taking too much time Do you yeah think- i just I want to be either far more powerful or far more fast yeah <laughs> so like you know like i think the another uh, page from the dark souls book just opening that door meaning that i don't have to go through that stuff exactly. anymore and go sure, directly right. to the meat level design wise i think that was great yeah. uh, the abilities like rami said they allow you to skim through a lot of things but you can still like you know get detected and then everything goes to hell and then die and reloop again so like right. you can still have to deal with the stuff even if you're more powerful mm-hmm. Uh, the encounters, they're still the encounters. They're not, they can't avoid them entirely. Yeah. Do you think more variety in the randomness would have helped as well? Or do you really feel like, because like, is it mundane because I, you feel like you've done it before and there are no surprises? Well, I mean, to, 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 be really, to be really precise, there is very little randomness. That's mm-hmm. kind of the point of Deathloop is that it, the, the, the encounters, the, the skirmishes, the scenarios are really dependable. Yeah. yeah, they're deterministic. They, they play out the be, way because it's yeah. looping, <laughs> right? Yes. So, so everything plays out fully deterministically, as as far as I can tell. You know, things play out the way they play out, and you are the only force that changes it. Yeah. So, it's more that if you're trying to achieve something, and to do that, you have to do this, that, than that. Then it means then this, that, and then that are exactly the same every time. Yeah. Because you're doing this, that, that. Yeah. Right. But I don't, I don't mean that, like from the context that, that that exists in the game because of the narrative that they chose. I mean, do you think that's what differentiates this from other? Uh, I, it's not exactly a roguelike, but you, you you know games that loop. Usually, roguelikes. The reason it's interesting to go back and back again is because you don't know what to expect. Like the layout is going to be different, the characters are going right. to be different, and that makes it a lot more gives I, a lot more surprises, a lot more interesting. I it think it's like an inverted roguelike. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Like in a roguelike, you you every scenario you come across is unpredictable, but you get more understanding of the tools you have. Yeah. So 90% of the time it's unpredictable, but you understand how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And 10% of the time it's predictable, and those are usually boss fights. Yeah. Right? I think that loop kind of flips it around. Like 90% of the time it's fully predictable, and only when you make progress it stops being predictable, or when you get invaded by Juliana. Mm-hmm. But I don't actually enjoy the invasions. No. Mm. So I, I don't found know. like later on the I, the invasions for me became like a way to avoid to having to kill the visionaries again and again to collect the slabs. I was like, I'm just gonna hang around here a bit until Juliana comes in. Right. I just rather just shoot her. Yeah. And get the stuff. I get lucky yeah. rather than having to go through the motion again. And I think when I thought that way. As I realized, like, wait, I'm not having fun anymore. <laughs> I'm not having fun. Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, it's still it's still a phenomenal world, and I, I intend to continue and at least finish it because I I feel like the first hours, the first like what seven to ten hours that I played of it, yeah, That's they great. were phenomenal. Yeah, fantastic. And I feel like it deserves the payoff of at least knowing where it goes. Same. But I've definitely hit like the the lull in the game. Yeah. Um, I felt like time used to fly in that early uh, early part, and then it started to slow down a bit for me more and more. But like you, Rami, I want to finish it. I want to see it mm-hmm. through. Like, because like I think you know the first 10 hours or 7 to 8 hours of this game is just worth the price of admission alone. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but you know, I want to see it. You know, I want to see everything come together as well. So mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and then, um, um, sorry, was there more thoughts on that loop? Uh, yeah, just one last one. Um, right. Actually, I did not play much again. I had another busiest week of all time, and I have wow. I collect those. Uh, maybe not as busy as you and your orchestra, Rami, but it's still pretty, pretty busy. <laughs> well, I that played... was just the last two days of my week. So. <laughs> I, I moved the needle a little bit more on Deathloop, but actually there's something I, I kind of need to call out. Um, as I mentioned before, I'm in love with the narrative. I love the voice acting. There's a lot to love about it. And I think there's a testament to how old I'm getting. And I, I know I'm going to regret saying this in front of Rami, but <laughs> giving him more fuel. Getting? What do you mean getting? <laughs> what do you mean getting? <laughs> I was expecting to regret it a little bit later. I mean, <laughs> right away. Let's um, just get it out of the way. Yeah. Okay, let's continue. The, the font size is impossibly small. Oh. <laughs> that even if I'm wearing my glasses, uh, I can't read it. I have to like get another chair and sit closer to a TV, which I don't feel like doing when... Right. When, and I don't know if this is first world problems, like, oh, my couch is so... No, absolutely or, not. It's just, there's no setting. I actually went yeah. and I looked for a setting for it and and it's white on black, which is supposed to be more legible, but I just, I can't read. Uh, I've, you I'll know be how- really honest. Some of the discussion I've seen about that loop that from an accessibility point of view, because I'm an I'm a Able Gamers ambassador, so I keep track of sort of like accessibility in games a lot as well. Yeah. It's miserable. It is. Like that loop did a really, really poor job of, of accessibility and I really hope they'll address it in a patch because this is not, this is not the AAA standard. You can't do that. No. You know, it remi- what it reminds me of is when I played Dead Rising a million years ago, I had to buy a new TV because I had, right. back then, I still had an SD. <laughs> because back then you were also old? <laughs> <laughs> no, the, they, I think they made the game for HD displays. I still had an SD right. TV at that point, um, and I had an HD monitor, so I played, you know, like, computer games in HD, but I, whatever console games, I played them in SD, and I could not understand the text. And that was another game that was explaining you things that you had to understand. And this one, I feel like, like I, I'd, I'd squint, I'd get, I'd lean forward, I'd read some of the text, and sometimes I'd be like, whatever, this is probably not important anyway, and I'd skip it, and I have no idea what I've skipped. So, right. like, there's a lot of instructions that just went over my head, and uh, I'm almost... Like I didn't, I didn't get that far in. I, I probably played about I mean, three hours at this point, and I'm like seriously considering just like, you know, starting over, reading every word, and like sitting close to the TV. No, for that loop, just wait until they patch it. Like, like I said, this has to get patched. There's too many people that don't have the ability to just read like that, right? Like, yeah, that that's not an old thing. That's anybody can have issues with sight or contrast or color blindness or whatever. Like, those are just people. People exist. Yeah, and. You can't just be like, well, this game isn't for you. Like, that loop is clearly made for people that enjoy smart, cleverly designed, interesting, different games. Mm-hmm. And making that inaccessible to people, 
by not having a basic UI like skill. Yeah. Like, come on, it's what hard. are you to like? It's heartbreaking. And there's a lot yeah. of tutorial text. Like, it's pop up after pop up. So, like, you know, it's anyway. It's I'm I'm a little disappointed in in that part. I wish they could have uh, handled that better because there's so many talks and so yeah. many presentations in our industry about accessibility, especially about font size and subtitles and all that stuff. I feel like I, I don't get how this was missed. I I mean I have a feeling that a lot of it was that this game seems to have been made on a budget, right? That makes like sense. that that's really is the feeling that I'm getting. Uh, they just. I disagree with the prioritization there, but I also understand game has to ship at some point. But I absolutely hope that this is a immediate patch priority. I hope right? so. This should be top of triage because subtitles being readable, yeah. um, text in booklets that you find being readable, yeah, stuff like that, it, it should just be there. I just haven't encountered this problem in such a long time to this level that it kind of shocked me, to be quite honest. Yeah. No, I understand. I um, I'll switch to another game then. Go. Cool. Mm-hmm. I played two other games. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Both on Switch because I was traveling. Okay. The first one is a little game called Beast Breaker. It's made by Asher Volmer, who you might know of Threes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, it is a it is an RPG esque game about a tiny mouse that fights monsters by being a pinball oh i've seen this and it is the most charming game that it could possibly be given that it is a game about a tiny mouse fighting giant monsters by being a pinball (laughs) um it really shouldn't be as charming as it is, but the the music, the the gameplay, everything comes together. Now, for disclaimer, I'm I'm friends with a lot of people, or I'm uh, close or friends or uh, whatever with a lot of people that are working on that game. Mm-hmm. So I I do want to. I mean, that's true for a lot of games, but yeah. I want to specifically point it out on oh, this let's one. Let's call it out. You know, yeah. don't right. take don't take any of our recommendations seriously. <laughs> right? Yeah, we're we're friends with pretty much every. We're pr- <laughs> friends with somebody on the team. Pretty much every game we talk about. And this game that's is a little literal. extra intense. Between yeah. the three of us, that's actually probably yes. literal. <laughs> yes. So, um, yeah, I did, it's a little intense on this one, so I wanted to, to point that out. But I, I really think that game came, like, it, it. it's good. It's good. It's entertaining. It's a little silly. It combines, like, some strategy stuff with a pinball game, with an RPG, with a, like, I, I, don't, I don't even know how to describe it, but I had a lot of time just playing time away with it. And then a big thing happened because uh, I was playing Beast Breakers and I was having a great time. And I think it would have been really hard to pull me away from Beast Breakers. Mm-hmm. And I'll go back to it to finish it. But Nintendo went, didn't Nintendo Direct, and just dropped Act Racer out of the heavens. <laughs> what a surprise, right? They're like, oh, there's a, what? There's a, there's a Nintendo Direct tomorrow. Oh, also, there's an Act Racer remake. Also, it's out now. <laughs> I was shocked. I was on stage at the orchestra when that happened. I got off stage. I checked my Twitter, and I was like, what do you mean Act Racer remake? What are you talking I've loved Act Racer since I was a kid. Um, Is it good? Since I first played. Well, I haven't played it. Yafosi, I don't know how to tell you this. It is not what you want. And it's also not necessarily what you need. Oh no, you start to sound like my doctor. (laughs) (laughs) But it's also not bad. Okay. Okay. It is is weird. 
there are a lot of moments where you're like, oh, it's Actracer, you know, like you 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 go down, you come from your heavenly castle, palace, floating sky place, you drop down, and you do some hack and slash, right? Uh-huh. And the hack and slash isn't great. It's not, I mean, the old one was obviously very clunky because it was back in the old days, and it tried to make this more smoother, but they kept the level design, so it doesn't actually work all that well. Mm-hmm. But you've got like a ground pound, you've got like an uppercut, you've got all that stuff. But then they chopped the levels up into like six sequences as if it was made for a mobile game from for two thousand from like 2012. Okay. So, you know, Fillmore 1, which is like your opening stage in Act Racer, is normally just a left to right thing. You just start on the left of the level, you go to the right of the level, and the boss is at the right end. Yeah. In this game, there's like six level transitions before you get there. Okay. So like you walk off the right side of the screen and then you go into a new area and then you continue there. I genuinely stood in front of one of these transitions for like a minute because I was like, where's the boss? Why is why is the boss not spawning? <laughs> so like they, they uh, added new segments. So not necessarily. Okay. Sometimes it's literally just the old level just chopped into more stuff. Okay. Um well, so that's weird. That's strange. The strategy part has also gone a little weirder. Mm-hmm. Uh, it still works mostly the same way. You're still like guiding people to places. You're still using miracles to like open opportunities for your people. But they've added sort of a tower defense and hero kind of game to it. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, so that's new. Um, and then when you close one of the monster pits, you know, which normally you need to let your villages there, you now have to go in and fight a boss. Okay. Mm-hmm. Not 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 a bad addition, I'd have to say. So so that's the thing. Everything they've added is not necessarily bad. I mean, I I really don't like the changes they've made to the platforming. Yeah, I'll be really honest. I I think that's miserable. Like left to right should just be left to right. Chalas, right? Mm-hmm. Like I don't understand how we're in 2021 and we're having a rougher time doing a single level from start to boss mm-hmm. than we had in what was it 1992 or something? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I don't understand. I don't understand the aesthetic choice. I don't understand. I don't understand why that happened. But in terms of it being an act racer game, it it, it is absolutely unmistakably an act, act racer game. You're still building the towns. You're still guiding the people. You're still using your miracles. You're still going in, and you know your statue turns to life and you fight things. But when you finish a level, I haven't seen my my. I didn't turn back to a statue in many of the cases, mm-hmm. which I was. Very disappointed about. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's it. So it's is it a good game so far? Mm-hmm. I'm having a good time. Is it Act Racer? Well, yes. It, at, at the core, it's an Act Racer game. Mm-hmm. But the way they evolved it is not necessarily to my liking. Mm-hmm. But it's still Act Racer. So I'm I'm just playing it. I'm I'm having an I'm having a pretty good time with it. I'll be really honest. It's pretty. It's 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 pretty at times. It's ugly at others. But it's act racer so i don't i don't actually care all that much i'm just glad to be playing it again Mm, sounds cool i I like some of the stuff that you mentioned that they added to the whole village part that sounds cool Mm -hmm. yeah it's it can be it has good moments for sure it has moments where i'm like oh that's that if they could have done that back in the days they absolutely would have right and those are the good additions and then there's the choices where you're like what anyway this is the part where i shut up because i've been talking for 45 minutes straight (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I've had an exciting week. Yes, it sounds like it. Well, um, I did a thing too. Wait, Felder, did you do a thing? 
I watched some movies and some TV series that I want to talk about. But I talked about Deathloop as well. Sam, why don't you go first? Are you sure? All right, yeah, go I'll, for I'll it. jump in. So I watched a movie. Um, it's called Free Guy. I don't know if any of you have heard of it. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't seen it yet. Me neither. I, I've seen it on billboards and stuff, but I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> I have well, a weird feeling that there's not much to spoil about this movie. <laughs> yeah, the, the entire spoiler pretty much is in the trailer. If, you, if right. either of you have seen the trailer, you know what the concept is, and you oh, can good. pretty much guess how it ends. Like, there's... The, the surprises, because there are surprises in the movie, but I'll give you the concept anyway. For those of you who don't want to hear, like, skip out the next 30 seconds, I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, but really, you could get this from the trailer. Uh, so you have a uh, NPC in an open world game who at some point becomes aware. So it's an artificial intelligence type uh, story. He becomes aware and he starts becoming famous uh, because he's not acting like a normal NPC and that's throwing everybody off. Um, the part that's a little bit less clear in the trailer is that there's this conspiracy about someone from a game company who stole code, although he paid for it in the story, from people and did and shelved it instead of... So he basically robbed them of royalty. He used their code, he bought it, but he pretended he didn't put it in the game. This movie got too real. I'm going to skip it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the AI code... Um, it, it is what made this NPC, you know, become self-aware because their code, is, their video game AI code, is so advanced that it <laughs> it spawned these. Like, this is the thing about the game. The game is really fun. It's funny. It's enjoyable. Like, uh, I, I'm I'm not sure if it's well received, but like, it's entertaining throughout. And yet, it's bothered me so much because it got literally everything it possibly could get about game development wrong like it almost went out of its way to get it wrong uh, uh, th- like, i mean somebody buying code and then trying to withhold royalty sounds pretty real to me yes that part is real okay so since we're still in, in spoiler mode um do you want to hear what part is sure. real about the code sure so the th- these two people who sold the code, uh, one of them gave up and said, whatever, I'm just going to work for this big company. And the other is on a hunt to find the code in the game. So the one who works at the company isn't looking for the code, and he's just working as a playtester, even though he has the opportunity to be a coder and find the code. And the other one who wants to find the code, isn't working at the company, is playing the game and looking in locations for the code. And the code is actually at a random player's house. So they have to invade a random player's house to find the AI code. Like, it doesn't follow any logic whatsoever. Absolutely not. And they they keep mentioning it because this is like the main plot line. And every time they don't mention that, I could suspend disbelief and I could just enjoy the jokes. The acting from Ryan Reynolds is, is really good. It's phenomenal. It's really funny. There's a lot of like little in-jokes for people who, who play video games. There are a lot of cameos from like Twitch streamers and stuff. I, I, I recognize two or three of them. I'm sure the others are even more famous than the two or three I recognize. Like There's a lot there for gamers to like. And in my humble opinion... Nothing there for game devs to like. <laughs> and a lot, a lot there to trigger game devs. So, right. yeah, it's hard. It's a hard movie to recommend to anyone. 
uh, from two reasons. One, for game devs, it's probably going to gnaw at you the entire time. I've never seen... Like, since Grandma's Boy, remember that movie? Oh, like, yeah. Yeah, I think this got it more wrong somehow, like <laughs> about how games are made. In in some ways better, in some ways worse. Oh yeah, the, uh, another scene that happens that I was like, oh yeah, of course people think that's how it works. Um, the, the antagonist takes an axe to servers, and each server is associated to a building that comes crumbling down in the game because he hits a <laughs> server, and of course the data of that building exists only in that server. Like there's a one to one relationship between it. It's things like that where I'm like, okay, you know what? That one on its own might have gotten a pass if that was like the thing they got wrong. But no, they literally got. I mean, I want to talk to their IT person. (laughs) (laughs) I think we can. I think we can do this data a little smarter than having to like go into 75 servers to render one scene. (laughs) But that's the thing. It's hard to even from a game dev perspective. It's hard to even recommend it to a gamer because it just so miseducates people about how games are made that I'm like, I, if I, if I, I have to like give you a, a, a companion booklet that explains you everything that's wrong and then allow you to go enjoy the movie and laugh at the jokes and do the rest because I feel irresponsible that I'm just, you know, if I, if I push people towards this either way, I'm, I'm going to a little bit of an, of an extreme in my opinion. It's one of those things that gnaws at me and uh, I'm not sure who else, um, but, like I'm sure other game devs have similar opinions. It's an enjoyable movie, but it's just so painful to watch because they get so many things wrong. That's my yeah. final statement. I, I, I'm like you. I think uh, there's there's something about reinforcing wrong notions of game development in the eyes of general public that really triggers me. It's, yeah. it's just bad enough that a lot of people don't really understand what you're doing, but still give advice or words uh, yes. of of uh, of assurances, let's say, as if they do. Yes. <laughs> so I wouldn't like that more movies would just fall into cliches as well about what game making is and who game makers are like and stuff like that. It's not it's not cool anymore. It's an outdated concept as far as I'm concerned. Exactly. Well put. So what is the what is the what is the love subplot? What is the what? There has, there has to be a love subplot. This oh yeah, uh, absolutely. Steady enough. Okay, absolutely. good. Absolutely. So, so right. you know, one of the creators. This is kind of incestuous if you think about it. But one of the creators what? of the AI. Follow okay, up. yo, stop, 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 stop. <laughs> I just played twelve minutes. I don't need more of that. <laughs> Fauzi, what did you play? <laughs> what, is, what is? I. I'm good. I don't. I don't. It's good. I. Alhamdulillah, I didn't. <laughs> What okay, even? How, now, did, how did this happen? Well, now I have to finish the statement because now people are thinking all the wrong thing. Thank you, Remy. <laughs> you said incestuous. Let's, yes. What are they supposed to what, get out of it? What I'm saying is one of the creators of the AI falls in love with the NPC that gained consciousness. So I meant it in that way. <laughs> so like she's like the mother. So wait, a coder fell in love with the code? The code. <laughs> Oh yeah, that, that, that's very that's pretty reasonable. That happens all the time. Fair, fair enough. Yeah. So my analogy was that, like, you know, she was the mother, and <laughs> she fell in love with the NPC she created. But I guess that made it worse. Maybe I should have stopped when I was. <laughs> I so Fauzi, what did you? <laughs> 
let me jump in and save the day here. Yes. <laughs> well, at least we know what's a cut. <laughs> you don't think you don't think I'm cutting this, right? <laughs> oh no, I mean, what are you doing? <laughs> I think the episode is just going to be called incestuous. <laughs> oh no. Oh no! <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so I uh, I played a video game, but I want to talk about that next week because I didn't give it enough time. So I'll save it till there. Here you go, cliffhanger number one. <laughs> okay, done. It was. <laughs> hope you enjoyed this episode. <laughs> so, send emails at info at yeah. the happy <laughs> <laughs> that's number three i love it here we go here we go right. okay let's right. let's give let's let's give fauzi some minutes after me talking for 45 minutes straight i um i went to the cinema for the first time in god knows how long and i watched dune Oh yeah! Oh, I haven't seen it yet. What a movie! So I'm, you know, so I'm usually spoiler averse. So in this case, I'm going to be even more spoiler averse because I imagine once both of you guys seen it, oh yeah, no, we're we going to need to talk. Yeah. We're going to need to talk desert and Arabs and stuff like that for <laughs> of sure. Course. Of course, uh, and uh, what is it, Lisan al Ghaib and stuff like that. There's a lot. There's there's Arabic uh, plenty in that movie. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> coolest thing about it is that uh, most of this movie seems to be shot in Wadi Rum in Jordan. Uh, so it's, it's it's a very funny thing for me because like there's so many movies that's been shot in Jordan. I was tweeting about that the other day, like The Martian, uh, Prometheus, Lords of Arabia. So many movies get shot in uh, in, in uh, Wadi Rum specifically. I'm very familiar with that area, so it's kind of hard for me to believe that this is another world. <laughs> you know, like this is like you know the world of Dune and the desert. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I you know I camped here. We have. <laughs> <laughs> we had falafel <laughs> under this rock you know like it's uh, it's very familiar territory for me so like i can understand though why it would look uh otherworldly for a lot of people it's a unesco world heritage site beautiful uh, absolutely a must see if you're in jordan but for me it kind of suspends my disbelief as i'm watching any movie because <laughs> i go like oh yeah i know this area quite well um so Dune as a movie, uh, so if I can tell you what I think about it uh, generally without going to details, maybe we'll have a spoiler discussion about it at some point in the future. Mm-hmm. I felt that um, it is visually spectacular. It is absolutely a movie that is trying to impress you with every single frame. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I wonder in its... Uh, in its um, and its quest to impress you all the time, sometimes I feel it forgets to entertain you. Mm. I felt mm. that the, the pacing was a little bit off of that movie. Mm. I felt like sometimes there were like a whole, a lot of information in a very short period of time. And then there's not a lot of information in a prolonged piece that didn't give me much. It definitely feels that this is a movie that carries the weight of the source material. Like, mm-hmm. the more aware of the source material you are, the more likely you are to enjoy it and watch it and, you know, see the words turn into visuals. It will have, a, without a doubt, a remarkable effect on you. Mm-hmm. I do think that sometimes in the storytelling parts of the movie, it is, um, it's uh, a hit or miss in some areas. So It, feel, it f- feels very Villeneuve to me, to be honest. Very like, what, sorry? The way you're... Villeneuve. Just the, Villeneuve, the the director. Ah, yes, yeah, true. Right, because he did, he had the same problem with Arrival. I feel where you know you you read the short story and you watch the movie and you're like, wow, 
it's a very coherent adaptation of the the book material mm-hmm. and and uh, you know it it diverts in sensible places yeah but then you can't take the pacing of a book and make that a movie correct and he really tries every time yes it it, it definitely like um it brings in the same kind of I would say by now it's almost his signature pacing because you know Blade Runner I felt um, also fell under some of these yes. issues too. Yeah, agreed. Um, in which, like, uh, when you think back of Blade Runner, it had a very unique visual identity. Like when I say the Blade Runner sequel, your your brain is now purple and yellow, probably. Yes. Right. Um, and like you know, have a lot of scenes in your mind uh, that is associated very strong visual identity. And yeah. like kudos for for him and the cinematographers that he worked with and all of these people, but you know the, there was undoubtedly issues in the pacing of that Blade Runner movie. Yeah, and yeah, Dune just feels like the, there is such a big world that it's impossible to fit in a movie or three. Like I feel like right. give give him a series, give him like twelve hours to tell the story properly. Yeah, yeah, um, but. Without a doubt, an amazing cinematic experience. Like, uh, you'd enjoy it in the cinema. <laughs> it's really good to be back in the cinema, <laughs> um, for that matter. Yeah, very enjoyable, I would have to say. But could be better in my eyes. Right. I'm just I'm just laughing because both of us, like both me and you, Fauzi, we haven't been for, to the cinema for a while. And, and Osama here has been waiting for us to go see... Chang Chi, please, please. <laughs> Are you just going to June? Is like the funny. Somehow that's the funniest thing to me that I've heard in like weeks. <laughs> so, so, so you went to the cinema. Nice. Did you see Sha- June? <laughs> Beautiful. It's, it's on. It's on the list. It, it, it was impossible to avoid Dune. Everybody's yes. uh, everybody's watching it. It's the zeitgeist right now, and of course, yeah, I've been really looking forward to it as well. So yes, and I don't want to take away from Dune's thunder, but Shang Chi was really good. Really I'm good. just. Sorry. It's a different kind gonna, of movie, though. Yeah, I'm just gonna enjoy the this and just leave it. Like <laughs> <that>. <laughs> leave it right now. It's phenomenal. I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing both. I actually have um I have a friend that I sometimes go on like movie marathons with. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I'm planning the first one again because Free Guy hasn't left the cinema here yet because uh-huh. there's just nothing happening. <laughs> yeah. So I've been thinking of doing a Shang-Chi, Free Guy, June, like movie day. Nice. Wow. And just That's a lot of movie day for one day. That's a full on day. Yeah. I did, I did four or five in one day once. Wow. And <laughs> it was, it partially, it was a mistake. Uh, let me see if I can find the order. <laughs> let me see if I can find the order of in which I watched those movies. He started was, with The Fellowship of the Ring, then, yeah. <laughs> then The Two <Yes>. Towers. <laughs> Uh, no, what is it? Um, because I watched Knives Out on that day. Oh, good movie. Yes. And that was a that really, was really good movie, movie, right? Yeah. yeah. And then um, I I also had Star Wars mm-hmm. which one? on that day, which, one was, uh, which was uh, Skywalker. Okay, okay. Pretty good. Um, and then uh, what was it? Yeah. Okay. So it had Knives Out which I was really excited about um, uh, because people were talking really well about it. And I went, okay, great. Let's, let's, let's go watch that. And I'm Rise of Skywalker because I, I had promised friends and this was the second time I was watching Rise of Skywalker. Mm. And I hated it the first time I watched it. 
<laughs> and somehow I hated it more the second time I watched it. <laughs> so I came out of Knives Out being just like, wow, cinema is great. And then I went into Skywalker and I came out and I was like, cinema is cynical. <laughs> and then guess what I ended the day with? What? What? Cats. What? Oh, no. What? Oh. Why? What are you doing? Why? And I think I, think I t- here it is. The, the tweet was, what the unholy was that cats is the most uncomfortable horror movie i have ever watched cats is not halal <laughs> accurate description right. um i've yeah. yet to see it and i have zero intention to i watched a trailer and that was too much it is absolutely watching that movie needs you to fast ramadan like flawlessly for at least 10 years and like you know <laughs> you can you can barely make up for it but uh yeah it was it That's was uh, so yeah i've done days like that where there's like three or four movies in a row and i actually enjoyed them because you just you just kind of have a day off right you just go to the cinema in early afternoon you just stick around there till night you just walk out grab a new ticket walk into the next movie I'm too big for those chairs. My butt would hurt after one movie. I can't imagine doing three. I'd have I to mean, go to one of those VIP theaters. In yeah, that's. That. I usually get like the VIP chairs for yeah. those days. Yeah, but yeah, I, I will tell you if you go watch Cats, everything will hurt, not just your butt. Like, <laughs> there will be no part of your existence that will not hurt. Oh no! And it's not just your body; it's your existence, right? Like your soul, your heart, your your mind. So like I, everything. I don't walk out on people, but if you had invited me to that, to Rami, it would have been two movies for me and three for you and your friend. There's no <laughs> right. way I would have. Oh, God. I can't even. After imagine. Rise of Skywalker, having to go into Cats with that sort of like whiplash of just how not good Skywalker Oof. was. Yeah. And then going into Cats, knowing that the only person I know that really appreciates that movie on a deep level is Anthony Carboni. And <laughs> he just likes bad things sometimes. <laughs> um. Yeah, I, I was just like, this is a mistake. But, you know, paid for the ticket. I'm not going to throw away money. So <laughs> I went to the movie and I threw away money. <laughs> <laughs> I could have kept the two hours of my life. Yep. And that would have been a better use of my expense yep. than going to that movie. <laughs> Phenomenal. <laughs> Phenomenal. It's hilarious, man. Huh. But yeah, I look forward to talking to you about June because I have thoughts about you know hey, Arab hey, representation hey. in June anyway. But Shang Chi too, right? Yes, right. Yes. Oh, that's a movie. Yeah, I've heard of it. Bums. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, I'll try and see both. You should make yes, the please. time for both. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. yes. <laughs> should, and and free time. guy and free guy. All three, one shot. Well, free guy, we don't really have to see. I'm, I'm it's so accurate. It's like we're living it, right? So, <laughs> I mean, every time I take an axe to a server, I think, "Wow, I really wish, I really hope this is the right building." <laughs> it, it it might have been a hammer. I don't remember specifically, but it was some kind of a weapon. <laughs> the server. The fact that you can't remember what he was hitting the server with is somehow very spectacular. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah he just smashed some servers with a blunt object Oops, or sharp or sharp <laughs> you know it could be anything it could have been a well we're gonna u- we're gonna <laughs> use a blunt object to end this podcast for today <laughs> oh more like a sharp object oh that cuts <laughs> deep because because that cuts deep exactly yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
we we are over one hour, and I apologize for being forty five minutes of everybody's. It's today. okay. I know just the part to cut. <laughs> is it the? Is it me talking about the orchestra? Uh, no, because then we'll have a then we'll have a seven minute episode. It's, it's me talking about the relationship and free guy. <laughs> Well, now that you've mentioned it, I can't cut it well, anymore cut because I'll have to cut too. here. So, yeah, that's yeah. too much work. <laughs> I've had a busy week. This is just, I, I'm literally just going to post the raw version of this. Oh, no. I don't, I don't no. remember anybody cursing, so we should be fine. <laughs> <laughs> I said bum. You have to beep that up. Bum is not a curse. <laughs> bum. <laughs> <laughs> there are angels listening to this podcast who are like, yeah, that's reasonable. <laughs> anyway, if you enjoyed the podcast or you have uh, suggestions for names for episode 30, no, never mind. Like, just send us emails so Sama's happy. Like, at some All the emails. At some, at some point, we're just we we want to we want to have a segment where Osama can just be happy and read emails. I want to read emails. So if you just Please. If you can just do that, that'll make Osama really happy. Ask him some <laughs> questions, you know, uh, something like that. Fauzi and I will also be very appreciative, but like you, you don't understand how happy you would make Osama. Thank you for we everybody don't who understand. asked. <laughs> Why it's making him that happy? I don't even like emails. I don't know what's happening. Uh, or just come hang out in Discord. We're as always at discord.thehabibis.com. Yeah. Things there are lovely. Come hang out. Um, thanks so much for listening to another episode of the Habibis. We will be back next week, same time, same place. Uh, no, wait, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, some, yeah. If inshallah, there's no one, inshallah. inshallah. You know what? Inshallah, everything. Inshallah, inshallah. inshallah same time, same place. Inshallah. inshallah, we're gonna now end the podcast. <laughs> Salam. 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 That was the Habibis podcast for this week. I was Rami Ismail, your host for this episode. You can find me on Twitter at T-H-A underscore Rami. My fellow Habibis were Osama Dorias, who you can find on Twitter at Osama Dorias. And Fauzi Mesmar, who you can find on Twitter at Fauzi Mesmar. Send us your questions, stories, and suggestions via info at thehabibis.com. The intro and outro music was provided by Malik Zubaida. And the logo was provided by Ibrahim Hamdi. The Habibis is a weekly podcast about three game developers drinking good Arab tea. With new episodes launching every Friday, inshallah. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcasting service or check out thehabibis.com for more information. Thank you for listening and salam. <laughs>